It works. The machine works. Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great! It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids. Welcome to the Film Hole Podcast, a podcast about films, movies, pictures, features, and the people that watch them. And that's us. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm a card-carrying scientist. <laughs> Every week we watch a movie and then we talk about it. And this week we watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, the 1989 film directed by Joe Johnston, starring Rick Moranis, Matt Freer, Marcio Strassman, and Christine Sutherland. A fun fact about this movie, at the time, it was the highest grossing live-action Disney film ever. All right, well, I can get us started. Go for it. The scientist father of a teenage girl and a boy accidentally shrinks his and two other neighborhood teens to the size of insects. Now the teens must fight diminutive... Is that right? I can get a synonym in there if you need it. Diminutive dangers as the father searches for them. Mm -hmm. That's the IMDb summary. That's that's the IMDb summary of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Do you think that's pretty fair? Yeah. I think that they are quite a bit smaller than insects. That's something we're going to talk about a lot here. I had planned to talk. There's like a line in the movie where like the teenagers like... uh, the teenage girl neighbor is like to them we're insects and i had a lot of problems with when she said that who was she referring to they were talking about like bugs and now like you know they're smaller than bugs and so she was like we're insects to them don't you see right i'm like you're the now same the size as of- them one and second they don't have the concept of insects they are insects <laughs> insects are not just the next smallest thing to you mm-hmm the scale is all wrong. The scale is all wrong. But yeah, this is the movie we picked for this week. Yeah. And I you kind of <laughs> picked it. It wasn't really like selected um for like film hole explicitly, but you watched it. Right. I guess we I guess this is a good time to acknowledge the the giant butterfly in the room that uh we've been gone for a little while. Mm-hmm. Film hole's been MIA. Yep. And do you want to tell why, people why what I happened, s- Trevor? Why I said that was a good time to bring this up is because the reason that we have been MIA is because we actually got really small and we had to run across uh, the living room to get to the podcast mics. It's true. In and my it's taken case, it's taken us six months. <laughs> in my particular case, I was already at my desk, but my voice was unbelievably high because it turns out that. This is something that's not portrayed right in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But when you get really small, your voice is pitched up appropriately. Mm -hmm. And so you couldn't even hear me. You said this is not portrayed in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? That's That your voice gets higher? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, they do uh, demonstrate that it's like on a higher frequency. And so like that's why the parents can't hear them and why the dog can. We'll talk about it. (laughs) we'll talk about it i uh, i have some lines written down here that i think are are just funny like 
as I was uh, watching this movie for the second time, I was just taking like little voice notes every time somebody said something funny or interesting. Uh, the first thing I wrote down was uh, early on, the girl is like talking to uh, her friend on the phone and she's she's talking about just like regular high school drama. And she says something about, oh, so-and-so like broke up last week for religious reasons. And then the person on the other line says something and then she's like, yeah, she thought she was God and he disagreed. <laughs> That's such like a like a stand up line. Yeah. From the 80s. Yeah. It's so dumb. I love it. Yeah. I eat that line up. And she even like had this like shit eating grin on her face when she said it. Like she knew she was delivering <laughs> a joke. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. So what's your. There's a few. There's a few things like that in this movie. Just like off the wall. Like. Uh, ridiculous jokes there's one um i think it's right after the b scene the kid the little science kid i think his name is nikki the the tiny rick moranis Mm -hmm. and uh he's like right after the b thing and he's like oh my life like flashed before my eyes it didn't take too long didn't take too long yeah which a kid would a, a kid would never say that yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. they're like way more clever than uh... if you've ever hung around like real kids, they're just like very disappointing. If all you know about them is like Hollywood movies. Yeah, Hollywood makes kids seem like amazing most of the time, most of the time, mm-hmm. which they can be amazing. But like they definitely don't have the hit rate that like fictional characters do. in movies. They just don't have the hit rate. They're not batting a thousand here. Boo. Get off the stage. Just like no, but it's, uh, it's interesting. The first time I watched this movie, I was definitely like a small kid. Yeah. And this is a great movie because I it, I was uh, surprised to find that it was a Disney movie. I guess that kind of makes sense now, but it totally fits into this action-adventure, family-friendly movie. The cast yeah. is all ages, you know? So, like, everybody has something that they can glom onto and a character that they can empathize with yeah grace grace and i were talking about this um around like pacing because i don't know halfway through the movie i said something like oh my god like so much stuff has happened already like they you get introduced to both families you uh you learn that he's like a failing scientist and that the the wife is a real estate agent. The neighbors are going on a camping trip. You learn all the dynamics of like every single person in yeah. this ensemble cast. Yeah. And then they get shrunk. And like there's still like a fucking hour of the movie left by the time you get there. Maybe more actually. And I'm just like this movie moves so quickly. And I don't know if that's because it's a like it's a kids movie and it like needs to adapt to shorter attention spans or if it's it's just like way more fun for that reason like i just gobble up like all of the exposition like really quickly in the beginning and then the rest of it is just like fun and adventure it goes by very fast yeah it's very kinetic i mean the visual analogy is is just the kitchen of the of the first family with like how things are ringing and there's arms and robots like running around and Kind mm-hmm. of like the, the kitchen breakfast uh, hysteria is like a great backdrop to start the movie because that's exactly how 
how quick and kinetic it feels. But um, just to get back to my, so that topic I brought up, like the whole, the, the fact that the movie has characters of all these different ages and there's oh, so right. many yeah. relationships like between like the main cast of uh, six people, uh, two kids, mm-hmm. two kids, oh. uh, eight people. Right. Yep. There are so many like relationships that like go across like all like different these different pairs mm-hmm. that it's a very rich movie as far as like relationships go. We have right husband wife in both families. Mm-hmm. Right away they set up that like the first husband is not doing well with his wife. They have this whole thing like where they start with a fight that happened like off screen, mm-hmm. and, and like the first family kind of like starts split up. Like the mom mm-hmm. went away. Um, yeah, the other family also has their. And not as much issues, but there's yeah father son dynamics happening in both families. Yeah, the dad is like kind of a classic, uh, overbearing dad from that period. Um, I wanted to say something about the the Rick Moranis and his wife like not being together. Um, like that totally went over my head like when I was a kid. Like it never occurred to me that like the relationship between the uh, husband and wife on that side was in jeopardy at all. Yeah. Like only now as an adult did I even catch that line that like she like slept on the couch at someone's house or something. Right. Right. And you don't really, but it, she immediately comes back and, and you never see any more like relationship ugliness. Right. None of that. I think it's, I think it's in there to, um, because they eventually like join forces in like looking for their kids and like trying to like get their kids back to normal size. I feel like uh, that's like the thing that's supposed to have brought them back together. But like I totally immediately lose sight the fact that their relationship was in jeopardy at all, like right away. Yeah. So I don't know if it like has it like any real purpose in the movie. Any idea why they would do it? I think, like, to your point earlier where it's, like, a really rich movie as far as relationships go, I think they were just trying to, like, pack as much stuff in there as possible. Yeah. I mean, so there's those father-son relationships, uh, the smart dad and the smart kid. It's, like, it's the classic, the dad's not paying uh, the kid enough attention. The, the kid's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, get his dad to notice him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of the street, or on the other house, the father... Uh, keeps trying to push his son to do athletics. Right. Um, and to go fishing. He mm-hmm. looks so ridiculous this whole movie. The other dad, the fishing dad. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look like that all the time. It's kind of what's occurring to me now. It's just for this movie. I, do you know him from other movies? No. Oh, okay. I'm just uh, talking about the fictional character. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel like that guy, whoever that actor is, I think it's the like the third person or something that you listed in that lineup. But um, he really reminds me of Jim Carrey. Dude, you son of a bitch. I, I wrote that exact <laughs> same thing down. He's got a really weird, like uncanny Jim Carrey vibe, right? It's absolutely a Jim Carrey vibe. And I think I'm going to pull up the uh, show here because I wrote down a note. 
of when I was taking notes on this on like when he was delivering just the way Jim Carrey did. Um, so let's let's pull that up. You know what happened? I put on 20 pounds of pure, unadulterated blitz the quarterback and rip his head off muscle wrestle. Close your eyes and just listen to that. I'll make you a little bet. If you work out for three months, you will be throwing farther, you will be running faster, and you will be hitting harder than anybody else on that team. It's a lot of Jim Carrey, right? So much. Like, so much that it's it's really uh, confusing to me. Like, Did you look into the timelines of that at all? Timelines? What do you mean? Yeah, just as far as, like, what Jim Carrey was doing at that time. Is that a coincidence? Oh, yeah. Is there... I guess it, this was right around, like, when Jim Carrey got big. Mm-hmm. Let's see. When did, like, Ace Ventura come out? a few years after this so yeah that being kind of like the earliest i don't know so maybe this guy was the original jim carrey i think so i think so but it's like uh this guy like resembles jim carrey so much that when i watched this i like looked up this actor fully expecting it to be like a Walper a Wahlberg Brothers situation where there's like some unknown sibling of a celebrity that's just been under the radar for their whole lives. Uh-huh. Like I thought that's I was like, surely that's who this guy is. This is just like Jim Carrey's brother that I never knew about. Not the case. No. Just some guy. What's this? Oh man. That sound means it's time for our segment of the day. What's pumping our gas this week? Oh, wow. We have musical cues now? I guess so, Raul. That's amazing. I would like to we personally were... think who's ever responsible for that. It's the music fairy, the cue fairy, mm-hmm. the podcast fairy. And if that happens to be a person called Riley, otherwise known as W, well, yeah. I'll have to shout out that person. You would have to do that. I would. But in anyways. a hypothetical situation, we would. But anyways, what's pumping our gas? This is a segment where uh, it's just kind of a free-for-all for Trevor and I to just kind of discuss uh, whatever we want to as far as like media consumption <laughs> kind of thing goes, really. It's kind of a segment to uh, just do whatever we want. Yeah. That it's actually con- should be a, a medley. I, I re- I'm going to lobby for a segment that's literally called like whatever we want. And it's just like we get five minutes to just do whatever we <laughs> talk about anything. <laughs> but what's pumping your gas, Trevor? Let's see. What is pumping my gas this week? Um, at work, my boss uh, purchased some new software for me, some new like plugins to the software that I currently use. Okay. That makes my life a lot easier. And it's just like fun when you get new, new software to play with. That's like premium software that you're not paying for. Uh huh. So that's the thing that's pumping my gas. Uh, I had one other thing. Oh, I this better be on your list, or I'm gonna be mad. Um, the game 
Super Liminal on Steam. It is. That's also on my list. Cool. Well, I had a great time playing that video game. Do you want to tell, since it's on your list also, do you want to take over? Tell them what it's all about. Yeah, the base. So Trevor basically found this game um, on his lonesome. I'm not sure how he heard about it, but it's this really cool game that's essentially a kind of portal-like uh, puzzle-based game that does a lot with um, with kind of like optical illusion-based uh, game mechanics. So in particular, yeah. it's like the main thing about the game is that. Um, it's very hard to explain with just audio, but you know, like if you ever done that thing, like when you're a kid where you hold an object um, in between your face and some background uh, and you kind of like just pretend that it's the size of what it looks like. So like you hold right. your toy airplane up against like a building and it's the size of the building and right. you, you recreate nine eleven, maybe something, you know, <laughs> fun, Damn. Just fun shenanigans like that. You had a whole setup for that really dark joke. You're like, I'm gonna. Re- I've I've decided that I'm gonna go the 9/11 route with this little joke that I'm making. And, and that like, setup was saw American foresty policy in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and, like, and that's what. And so it's this great game. That's like that's one of the that's kind of the selling point mechanic of the game. But that's like far from like all it does. Like it's a very, it's a very good game. Yeah, you and I were both, like, separately, when we started playing it, worried that that novelty of that mechanic would wear off pretty quickly. Because you see the game trailer, and it's like, you pick up, like, a can or something, like a soda can, and you move to where you can see deeper into the room, and now all of a sudden, you drop that can, and it's, like, the size of a building. And you can do interesting puzzles with that, uh, but it doesn't... When you first when you first start playing it, it doesn't seem like it can get much more complicated than that. Yeah, and I, I can't really even like cite like how it gets that much more how complicated. It, it's subtle. I mean, it's it's in yeah. a way in a way yeah that it's hard to think of. But like for example, they bring in game elements like doors that you walk through, and depending on the size of the two doors, you can change your size, and so. Right. It's an indirect way of controlling your own size when you like mix the perspective size changing mechanic with the portal mechanic. Yeah. It's generally, it takes place in a dream. So a lot of the stuff that happens is just like logic and physics breaking. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's actually, remember the game I told you about that is very close to this one called Antichamber? Yes. It, it actually was. Um, Super Liminal is actually uh, what's the word I'm thinking of uh, inspired by that game Annie Chamber oh really yeah I bet it's like the people who made Super Liminal really liked that game and Portal because <laughs> yeah. like the like the gameplay vibe is very similar to Portal like there's a, a voice like a pleasant voice kind of guiding you through the whole thing and it's got a sense of humor and like even the the color palette and like the types of graphics that they use feels very similar to Portal and other like uh, Valve games. Yeah. I, I think they wear their influences on their sleeves. But mm-hmm. overall, great game. Really enjoyed the experience. I played it with my partner, Stacy, kind of figuring it out side by side. So. Cool. And that's the best game to do that with because it's 
doesn't really matter who has the controller and you can switch off the controller in any case right. on and off anything else pumping your gas uh watched a uh miyazaki movie last night let me see uh ponyo ponyo yeah ponyo yeah real silly movie have you seen that one no is it like i i just can see like the image of like the cover or something is it like a little fish person yeah it's a little fish thing okay it's just what i love about his movies is that you have absolutely no idea where they're going yeah i've only i've only watched like one and a half and so i'm just kind of getting started on that whole miyazaki thing um but i definitely felt that way with spirited away like i didn't understand like the setup at all it took a good while to figure out like what the rules of the movie were right right so what's ponya's deal Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, um, there's, there's some kind of water magician guy, wizard, and Ponyo is like his daughter. Hmm. It's like the mom is like a water goddess. Huh. And so it's... Ponyo just wants to be human. It's kind of a Pinocchio sort of story. Okay. It's, it's clear, like, from at least the one that I watched that there's a whole, like, mythology behind every story that is just the the actual story of the movie is completely unconcerned with yeah and can you believe that that they made up like spirited away is what you saw Mm -hmm. it's not like that mythology in that world is ever reused again right yeah really it's like uh it's a one-off world and they made it much richer than like you think they would have to Mm mm-hmm Good stuff. All right, folks. Okay. Back to the movie. <laughs> it kind of, you know what this reminds me of? You know what that sound cue reminds me of? Is uh, Star Day on NPR. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. I think Riley just sent us that. They made a comment, which I was actually interested to get your thoughts on. Because remember, that kid gets dropped in the... Uh, we're here trigger the sound hit the sound uh the intro just give me any cue here all right so i I just needed that cue because we started talking about stuff like if it were real and basically for this that movie for this movie it means what would happen if like things were actually that large or if you were actually that small so we were discussing the cigarette and I felt like, uh, or in the earlier scene when um, Nikki gets dropped into that um, that flower or whatever with the pollen, uh-huh. and they're like, hey, you're allergic to pollen, be careful. And he's like, oh, it's too big, I can't inhale it. Like, do you think, is that accurate? Is that what so. would happen? Okay. Yeah, I bet it would. I feel like we talked about something like this not long ago. About like uh, what actually happens when you get small. It's sci-fi, so like there's not a real answer, but it's like it was something about like if all of the molecules stayed the same size, or if all of the atoms uh, stayed the same size. Like if the atoms changed 
sizes that would like fuck some shit up. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it, right? Like the simplest you could think of just imagine you were a human animal that's like shaped like a human, but it's just like a small human. Okay. Still made up of cells and everything else is like the same size and everything. Mm-hmm. So really we're just describing like a miniature human. Mm-hmm. You could think of like shrinking the cells or shrinking atoms. It's it's kind of like a where you decide to do the shrinking can have like a well, big profound is, impact. Well, are cells universally like the same size? Uh, not generally, but I mean with uh, like what's the range of like the size of cells? Is it like they're generally the same size, or is it like there's big cells and there's like really little cells? They're generally the same size, but some bacteria can be like huge. Okay. Like maybe hundreds of times bigger than regular cells. And a bacteria would be consul- considered a single cell organism? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But for the most okay. part, they're like roughly the same size. Okay. Shrinking is a tough thing that you do because if like, oh, if you miniaturize the cell, you have to miniaturize all the organelles in the cell. And then if like right. you know about like how that works, you're like, oh, but you would have to miniaturize everything within that too. You can't just like... Uh, yeah, the I think the the movie attempts to like talk about the science uh, early on, where he, um, I think he says something about like you know we're mostly empty space, and I don't know maybe that's referring to like the distance between like the nucleus of an atom and the electrons. Uh-huh. He's like, if you can just reduce the empty space in a thing, then you can shrink the thing. Like it's that's, that's a common misconception. That, that's not how it works at all. Okay, <laughs> so break it down for me. I mean, that space is just not empty. That space is filled with electrons, and that's the real thing. Because you often like hear that the thing that uh, all the mass is concentrated in the nucleus, and mm-hmm. that's like if you put a marble in a football field, like that's the nucleus, and the rest is empty space. Uh-huh. Um, but in reality, it's not empty space. It's surrounded with the electrons, and really, you should think of yourself as more. Uh, collection of electrons anchored with nucleuses as opposed to made up of nuclei that are surrounded yeah. by empty space okay all the magic is happening in the electrons okay you are electrons i am electrons okay so that's a that's a good wrap up to uh my questions about scale okay um i got a question for you on okay. what feels real what would you do with this technology if it was available to you um i like how they tease this at the end of the movie just really quick they're like <laughs> bef- the before food. yeah before we like sell it to like the u.s military or whatever we're just like gonna make our turkey like four times as big yeah. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> I guess they kind of teased the next movie right there with the fact that they can make things bigger. Right. It wasn't yeah. the real emphasis of this movie. They kind of just um, like ad hoc added in the fact that like, oh, of course you can unminiaturize if you can miniaturize. Right. I like the little joke at the end too with uh, when they test it on the father character, like the neighbor. And like when he gets back to regular size like his hat just doesn't fit 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> just slightly. Just barely. Yeah, just barely. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. And it's kind of funny because, like, he's this guy who was, like, um, I put on 30 pounds, like, with lifting, you know? So it's, like... Right. He's somebody that would be, like, if he just lost, like, three pounds of, like, overall body mass, like, he might be upset. Right. That's, like, a... That's, like, a some kind of subtle thing they're trying to do in this movie because like early on russ like the other kid uh they're like oh he um he's too small for football so he got cut from the team and like there's this back and forth between him and the dad about like size and like how much size matters you know Uh uh-huh so like i don't know what the movie's trying to tell me if anything like with that like parallel it's like, oh, it does. It's like at the beginning, the movie's like, you know, size like doesn't matter. But then like the movie goes on. It's like actually size really tends to matter because like if you're small, <laughs> like you're it's definitely very, very mixed messaging. You're in danger if you're small. <laughs> so that sound means that we're back to just talking about normal, normal stuff. Normal stuff. I had a topic I want to get into. Hit me uh, with it. I tried introducing it earlier, but it just got quickly derailed. Okay. I feel like we need to come up with like a hand signal or something for like, this is like one of the main topics. <laughs> okay. So it was on the topic of like, so lots of relationships in this movie is lots of different characters of different ages. Yep. Who do you empathize with the most? And has that changed now that you're older? Back from when you first saw this. Hmm. Um. I feel like maybe when I first saw this, I was somewhere in between uh, Nikki, who's the little science kid, and uh, Russ. So, like, the two. Russ is the older of the two boys of the neighbors. Uh huh. Um. The one who's like has the hots for the girl, and then Nikki's the young science kid, because Nikki's whole both kids have like issues with their dad, which I also have had. Um, but it's also just normal like father son relationship stuff or like male expectation stuff. So, um, like with Russ, it's like you got to be on the football team, or like you have to like make an impression, or like you have to be lifting weights. So, like, I felt the social pressure of that. So I get why that kid's just, like, not into it. Um, And then I also get Nikki as this little, like, inventor guy who's just trying to impress, like, his elders. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think that little kid Nikki is the main character of the story? That's a good question. I kind of thought he was. I don't really know who the main character is. I think everybody gets a lot of everybody gets a yeah. lot of like shared screen time. Screen time. That's true, but I'm like that. That's my like perspective from when I remember first watching it. I, I must have been very young. I was you're a little. Like, you're a little scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Nikki. It's like a movie about him. And then there's some mm-hmm. side plot narrative about the sister and this guy. But that was like auxiliary. Right. I remember like I feel like I saw this movie at a young enough age that like um 
the whole romantic dynamic between Russell and the um the daughter Nick what's her name I don't remember her name uh, in my notes I just have them down as teenager one and teenager two <laughs> like house one and house two uh but like uh, I saw it so young that their relationship felt very taboo to me. Oh really? I was like, "Ooh, these teenagers are like really horned up for each other." Uh-huh. And I could I could tell and it felt like something I wasn't supposed to be seeing. Oh really? Yeah. Taboo because they were neighbors or just cuz this is like young. You like young love. teenager like kind of like sexual vibes between the two of them and like I was just much younger than that stage of life uh-huh if i had a teenage son i'd just be like go for it son the year is 2050 nobody's having sex right now please no save, one's please save our planet this is like children of men territory <laughs> yeah it's like children of men with idiocracy yeah it's like we're going down like the handmaid's tail path Son, I need, like you, I need you to wield your teenage hormones to their max. <laughs> this this was like the actual, I think, strategy from like older generations. They were just like, you need to have more kids because like it's important that we create more people like us. They were just like, there's not enough people. Mm-hmm. We need help. There's no one to mow the lawn, so we need to create a person. <laughs> To help us around the house. I guess, in a way, we succeeded. Mm-hmm. Really, this is a, a triumphant story of humanity's quest to make enough people. Right. And we finally did it. We hit the finish line. Damn. Feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I love those cues. Uh, okay, another like crazy, horrifying moment in this movie um, <clears throat> was when Nikki gets dropped into the bowl of Cheerios. Great scene. There's like, Great scene. There's like a, a scene where, um, or a shot, I should say, where uh, he's in the one of the loops of the Cheerios in a spoon, and it's like headed towards Rick Moranis' giant mouth. And it's from behind and is like, as he's getting closer to the mouth, Nikki is just like screaming, like bloody murder screaming. He's like, dad, don't eat me. And it's like, as he gets closer to Rick Moranis's mouth, like his voice becomes more reverberated because it's being like projected into Rick Moranis's mouth and like coming back. Uh-huh. So it's just like, you can really feel like he's entering this unstoppable void of like being eaten and it's like i've been watching attack on titan recently which has some really like (laughs) grisly like really upsetting moments where like people are being eaten by like other giant people Uh uh-huh and it's just it's a terror it's like a terrifying thing from like nightmares from like the beginning of human existence like oh yeah giant humans like eating other humans do you know, like, uh, it, it's a very cringe-worthy moment, like when you're eating something, and like maybe you get a crunch that you weren't expecting. 
like eggs as a classic example. Right. Uh-huh. What if that was your son? Yeah. What if you just ate your son and you kind you felt the crunch and you you immediately knew what you did. Well, you grinded your teeth a little bit to like grind that down wherever that is, uh-huh. and that was your son. Yeah. And you realize it like just moments, like moments later. Because, like, that's what Rick Moranis does in this whole movie is he, like, realizes something. Like, when he realizes that the kids are small, he, like, automatically determines, like, oh, I can't, like, walk around now because they, like, might be, they, like, might be here. Or, yeah. like, I've al- I've already stepped on them and killed them. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of this movie is his old, the sequences of him uh learning about them like he does it very quickly he figures it out because he's a smart guy um Mm -hmm. and then all the different technologies that he has to comb through the yard all like very like improvised yeah yeah. like macgyver stuff so first it's the stilts he's just like Mm -hmm. walking around on crutches that serve as stilts and then Mm -hmm. he has this pulley thing worked out it's like a um it's almost like a mobile of him and then like a TV like balanced on their like clothing line so he can like spin around and like examine the yard from like a few inches up. Yeah. And then later the wife is the counterweight. Right. Yeah. It's like a really nice like moment of them coming together where it's like he looks crazy like in the backyard with like the TV and like the helmet and the big um like headlamp thing but then he's like no honey like they're actually back there and like we need to save them and like she puts on the same like get up and they both look crazy now yeah it's like a little like nerd uniting kind of moment it's funny they they look crazy to everybody around them and they make jokes about it the whole time about Mm -hmm. how silly they look in their backyard Mm -hmm. Uh, like the neighbor husband is just like ugh. Like, what weirdos. And then the kid with the lawnmower finds them very odd, too. But if your children were, like, miniaturized in your backyard, you would flip the fuck out, and you would probably do something very similar to what they did. Right, yeah. There is, like, a scene uh, that I don't really like as it relates to that. So, uh, I forget how it happens, but uh, Rick and Moranis' character gets, like, dropped all of a sudden like out of his little contraption like yeah yeah, yeah. counterweight goes away and he drops down or whatever and uh he like bear crawls from where he fell down to like the uh the patio like the concrete right by the door yeah and he does it very quickly and i'm like it doesn't even matter that he did that fast doesn't matter because he covered so much like surface area in his like bear crawl to like get to the patio that what he should have done is just stood up very yeah. carefully and then jumped over there. I was and like, it, you, ma- you made the biggest mistake by just like army crawling really fast across your lawn because you probably killed them if they were yeah, right there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. When I first saw that, I'm like, oh, shit, you fell. Get out of there. Get out of there. And kind of like uh-huh. the first thing you would do would just like crawl because you're already down there. But mm-hmm. yeah, you would want to just take a moment, stand up. Mm-hmm. Big lunge. 
Okay, and to finish off, we're going to do a segment called... Uh, so what do you think of this movie? Do you like it? Do you not? Um, do you enjoy it? Do you think it's dumb? Is it good? And it's a segment where we ask, do you like this movie? What's going on? Is it good? Would you recommend it to people? Like, what's the lowdown? Yeah. Uh, I think the this segment, more than anything that we've done so far, really underlines how we at the film are all about brevity. So I'll give uh, an equally brief answer. Uh, yeah, this movie's pretty good. I like it a lot. Um, I think that it really strikes a sweet spot of really fun and exciting uh, adventure movie, uh, but also somehow is able to flesh out characters and do a lot of exposition in an efficient way. So, I liked it. I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. Why do you love it? It's so exciting. Like, the action and the drama, it's top-notch. It's like... Like, this might as well be Starship Troopers, like, as far as, like, the action goes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do you feel like, uh, maybe it's just because we were born in this period and we, like, grew up with, like, a certain idea of, like, what a movie should be, but with this movie and, like, uh, movies that feel like this, like, Spielberg kind of stuff, uh, this feels like a movie that, uh is like an archetypal like almost non-existent now type of movie it's like when people in movies talk about movies this is like the type of movie that they're talking about does that make sense yeah i think so and i think it's just that movies nowadays don't have the same spot in the culture than they did 30 years ago yeah kids aren't watching movies now let's be honest yeah, that's so sad. I don't like thinking about that. Yeah. I don't... Movies can't die, man. That's like saying music will die. No, that's that's not a really fair comparison. Music will never die. But... Feels like movies are... Their clock is ticking. This is the Thunder Round. Oh, I like that. First question of Thunder Round. So the rules of the Thunder Round are very simple. Uh, The person who pitched the movie, and so maybe, not always, but maybe the person who knows more about the movie uh, asks the person who knows less about the movie a few questions, and they only have a few seconds to answer, and it has to be as short as possible. And then we'll move oh, on Jesus, to the next I'm question. I'm nervous now. Yeah, you really set the segment up. Okay, let's go. All right. Question number one. What is the scariest giant bug? I still think it's the ant, even though we're supposed to love the ant by the end. I still think that, you know, I, I saw an ant documentary the, like a month ago, and, and ants are soulless, monstrous creatures who will just do any amount of violence to insects around them uh, for the good of the hive. Very scary. All right. A very wholesome answer from 
our first contestant on question number one. Question number two, if you could make any snack huge other than the one in the movie, what would it be? I think I I definitely would try, uh, what's that like ice cream that comes in little pellets? Uh, dots? Dip, dots. Dippin' Dots? Dippin' Dots. Like, I think if you made that big, um, so like the dot thing goes away, but I still think like the texture of the ice cream would be very, very interesting to experience at that scale. All right. A very hedonistic answer from our contestant here on question number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, question and final question number three if you were small for one day and you could control where you began what would you do i i would definitely um <laughs> it's such a hard question <laughs> the wheels are I turning would, i would choose to to be initiated in, in Trevor's skull, in your own skull, the size oh. of a neuron. And I would just kind of work my way up the social ladder of neurons. Because I imagine it's kind of just a community system that they got going on. Uh huh. Eventually, I would come to rule your brain. Eventually, I would become you in, in a very real sense. Mm. And you would cease to be yourself. Wow. So yeah, that that was Thunder Round. That's exciting. A very horrifying and existential round for me. Uh, <laughs> but a great segment nevertheless. That's a great segment. And it's also the segment that we will lead right into ratings to top off the show. That's right. So let's get that started. Give it, I told you my rating already. You didn't give it a rating. I, I guess I you did. did. You I, teased it. I said, I said it's going to be nine point five, and it's going to stay at that. And it's going to be nine point five. Uh, oatmeal cream pies out of ten. You're a sick, sick man. Yeah, you're disgusting. That's going to be the thing that like flags this episode as explicit is you saying the word cream pie. As <laughs> something, yeah. Uh I didn't know cream pies were a real dessert. I don't even know that was a thing. It is a thing. That's a That's what they were to me first. So That's not a real pie, that's not a real cake, that's not anything. That's just sugar in a bowl. That's right. Take it away, Trevor. This movie is awesome. It's it's so small, but so big in so many ways. And for that reason, I'm going to give this movie uh, a 9.5 giant car wash broom bristles out of 10. listening this week our music is by w look him up at underscore w on instagram that's underscore the word double and two use thank you riley editing this week is done by me Raul flores wherever you're listening give us a good rating 
shout out to us. Connect with us at, at @filmholepod on Twitter and Instagram. And thanks again. We'll see you next see week. See you next week. <laughs>